please enter room 2008. started this stream over uh that was peter mr meat missile himself as he always is on room 2008 we are here for a new episode on twitch.tv slash room 2008 ent hope y'all enjoyed last episode with the uh pilot we had on as a special guest we discussed some uh flat earth theories flight paths all that good stuff but again we are here back for another episode and tonight we're going into the montauk project i mean i mean this thing goes into time travel time warping all kinds of stuff. Invisibility. Um, what else, Lance? Uh, I mean, the only thing I ever knew of it was uh, Stranger Things. So I thought yeah. it'd be kind of on that. that Mind control, telepathy, yeah. all kinds it, of it, shit. To, uh, I mean, there's just so much to cover. I can't wait. Yeah. But I'm trying to just organize it in my mind right now. Yeah. I so, I mean, we could, we could probably do like a three-part episode on the Montauk Project. But what we're going to do is we're going to uh, kind of cherry pick uh, probably two or three chapters out of the actual book read it word for word and discuss it break it down get a little more in depth on it and uh, just kind of get uh, everyone's thoughts on what it means if it's real uh what that could mean for mankind and, and all that good stuff but um i will yeah, say not, if to cut you off keep your mind on that but uh i will say this episode uh was way more information than we ever thought it would be so for anybody listening in that has never heard about the montauk uh project or anything like that look it up it's like an incredible it makes stranger things seem weak in narrative like the way that it was like just a show was boring compared to what this could have been i wonder if there's like any movies that uh i think uh the uh what was it called i'll, I'll think of it in a second but look it up there man it's great interesting yeah yep. so um yeah, tonight is a Thursday night, so we've been switching it up as we have been the last few weeks. So please follow us on Twitter, Room Two Thousand Eight ENT Two, so you always know. Be updated when we're going live, uh, and you'll you know you'll know what subject we're talking about. If you want to join us, interact with us, you can join us um, on the chat and everything. Shoot us an email. We really want to know y'all's thoughts on the Flat Earth episode last week. Um, like I said, we had an actual pilot on. He uh, discussed why they do certain things certain ways, why they fly certain paths, what their navigation instruments do, all that good stuff. So shoot us an email, room2008ent at gmail.com. I know what we can do after um, after we kind of go over all this. We can pull up the old GE Google Earth and see if we can locate this place. Right. I sent you the map, too. I don't know if you got that. Yeah, I'm deleting it. During our... <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I appreciate you uh, <laughs> for this uh, podcast here. The Montauk Project was a series of secret research projects conducted at Montauk AFB on the eastern tip of Long Island. These experiments were an extension of the controversial Philadelphia experiments in which the Office of Naval Research employed Einstein's unified field theory in order to make the USS Eldridge invisible to radar. 
whereupon it vanished from time and space continuum. It vanished from Philadelphia to, and it reappeared in Virginia. So the idea was, let's take it off radar. And what ended up happening is the whole damn thing went into a, a, a time and space scenario and threw it in Virginia. Uh, yeah, it, it could, yeah, they were trying to make it invisible, not not just invisible from radar, but actually invisible. A whole naval ship, Peter. Yep. So, uh, and there's a whole, I mean, we're going to go into it a little bit because oh. it has a lot to do with uh, the Montauk project and how it was created was based off this premise. But um, so I guess I'll kind of start. And the main thing about the Montauk to give you the character, because the book, what was the book's name? The Montauk Project. The Montauk Project Experiment. <laughs> I wasn't Makes a fucking sense, joke, Peter. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was such an obvious title. <laughs> Check it out. By Preston B. Nichols with Peter Moon. Peter Moon was the uh, marketing exec for this because he wasn't part of it, but he was uh, the marketing guy behind it. So, uh, anyways, so Preston B. Nichols is a scientist and electronic engineer. Between 1970 and 1983, he was an assistant director of the search. Uh, projects being conducted at Montauk. He explains that the Montauk projects were created to influence the minds of man by using electromagnetic uh, impulses and involved into a time travel project where they found that they could bend time with the same equipment they used to bend uh, people's minds. So. Oh, snap. There is so much to uncover. Yeah. So um, there's a whole book on it that I can't stress that book. I've, read most of it and it's uh it's fascinating and the book is called the montauk project <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so uh preston b nichols or uh he was hired how it kind of started he was a uh doing some work for a contractor defense contractor and him and some psychics were doing some work on telepathy and he noticed during their during their sessions at certain times of the day the psychics, they would basically be cut off from their abilities. They would basically, you know, just something be was blocked. Yeah, yeah, something was blocking it at the same time every day. And then after about 20 minutes or so, their abilities would come back. Everything would be kind of back to normal. So after a long time of, of doing this, he built something to track where these signals were coming from. Because he noticed, I think it was like around 420, 410 to 420 hertz, I think it was, megahertz. Mm-hmm. Is um, what was there, there was a signal coming in for those 20 minutes and that was what was inhibiting the psychics powers or abilities whatever you call it so he built something tracked it to montauk and more specifically this huge building with this huge transmitter it was the largest where, at the time it was the largest in like mm-hmm. america i believe yeah. as far as oh, in the world uh, for a satellite transmitter Mm-hmm. so that, that's kind of where it started that's where he met this homeless guy that was it was a, uh come to find out it was like an abandoned air force base decommissioned trash everywhere you know it was not left in good condition and there was like a ho- uh, homeless guy living there and uh preston nichols asked him was like hey what's what's going on here and the guy was like oh i'm surprised you don't remember you know like you were the i forgot his title he's like the senior vice president or something like that basically second in command of the whole project yeah, he was assistant director to the yeah assistant project. director. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's kind of where it all started right there. Um, 
Okay. Me, uh, it's it's a mind twist, and then mm-hmm. it references different times throughout the story because yeah. there's there's another character, uh, and I I don't want to cut you off, Preston Nichols, if you want to keep going on, but I'm just gonna talk about Duncan Cameron. So talk about him. All right, I'm gonna talk a little bit of shit. All right, here we go. So all right, so uh, Duncan Cameron uh, ended up showing up. So he had this device that uh, Preston wanted. And somehow they met, you know, just out of fate, they just met. So Duncan Cameron was able to use his ability to have existing programmed mind and history of working on the property for years, having psychic abilities. And because of his history on the Eldridge, he was considered a time locker witness effect for time travel in the Montauk projects. So in a nutshell, they met on a whim and it turned out that Duncan was on the ship of the the Eldridge that was used for the the, um, the Philadelphia. Philadelphia experiment, and him and his brother jumped ship, and they ended up in a in basically forty years uh, later time lapse, and they were briefed by the government, had some name changes which we'll get into, and he was so he was programmed to meet. Um, Preston Nichols and basically off him off, right? I mean, he was basically there to <laughs> get him off. <laughs> He's basically there to kill him and completely destroy his uh his labs. Uh when I say things get complicated, they didn't know this at the time. At the time that Preston and Duncan met, Preston didn't even realize he was a hundred like didn't have all the memories back from even right. working on the Montec project. So uh, again, it gets complicated. But Duncan's relationship with the Montec project is that he is the he is the lock of time that was that made the uh, Montauk project so uh, able to be used because he was he was the factor in in uh, in all this. He was meant to be there. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had to use him and his psychic abilities to do everything that the Montauk was doing. Um, and of course, they also used uh, Montauk boys for experiments and stuff like that too, which is where Stranger Things comes in. Yeah, that's that's way further in the story, right? Um, I'll have to jump. See, and then we'll jump back, just like the Montauk project. Yeah, right? I mean, there's like it goes back and forth from years. It's it's a very confusing read. So, yeah. um, I'm going to read out of this uh, this chapter called "The Montauk Project Begins." So it's. Um, because like the first few chapters, like I said, it goes into the kind of goes into the Philadelphia experiment. It goes into other stuff like the Phoenix Project, Project Rainbow. I mean, it's it goes into really technical descriptions of stuff. So Project That's Rainbow, cool. correct me if I'm wrong. That was the uh, that was the the Philadelphia <laughs> experiment, but overall the the bigger project. I think so, the yeah. experiment. The Philadelphia experiment was this ship was supposed to be invisible, but ended up reappearing somewhere else. People got lost in a time loop. Um, and the rainbow, uh, project was invisibility and right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So here we go on this chapter. The Montauk project begins. It's no secret that Congress has tried to browbeat the CIA into finding out everything that goes on in the intelligence community. They've cut their funding, limited legal powers, and even most naive person would, uh, likely admit to a credibility gap of some degree, but we're not dealing with the CIA proper here. Indeed, if the CIA is involved, it would be a splinter wing 
or wings that are being used by a source other than the CIA director. So what, what do you think about that, Peter? That's not um, that off the bat. It's like black budget type stuff. Oh yeah. Anything involving CIA. Um, but this is like, to... like below, like, this is like the hidden CIA. Yeah. So there's like, uh, the, you know, people, people speculate, but there's like surface level CIA stuff. And then there's like the mafia style CIA funded by mafia style governments. That's right. So, uh, yeah, and they get involved in the darkest shit. Mm-hmm. So you have a military air force that goes out of commission and it's being used because it has the equipment by other nefarious organizations around the world to fund the, the Montauk experiments and projects, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. Right. When Congress disbanded the Phoenix Project, the group at Brookhaven had already built an entire kingdom around this project. Uh, Brookhaven, I think, if I remember right, is like the private group that supposedly funded it, I think. I might be wrong on that. Anyway, the group at Brookhaven already built an empire, uh, entire kingdom around this project. They had Reichian and stealth technologies, which could definitely affect the mind of man. The Brookhaven group went to the military and informed them about this fantastic new piece of technology they were working on. They told them about a device that can make the enemy surrender um, without, without any battle. Uh, simply by flipping a switch so they can make the enemy basically, you know, surrender at will. There was a story in the book actually about the Iraqi wars Mm -hmm. at the time. uh, And this black hawk comes over and they have these bases, these, uh, these, uh, (laughs) I gotta, I'll I'll, I'll tell you after. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm just going here. So they have these bunkers. Right, where all these uh, soldiers are are living in these bunkers, and so we go over and basically with the Black Hawk, we fly over. <laughs> Fuck it! <laughs> I got it. I'm gonna make a drink real quick. Perhaps. <laughs> all right, so the Black Hawk. <laughs> I don't think I'm saying something else. <laughs> I'm blacking uh, out. I'm blacking out. Uh, too late. All right. So the you black, just made me off my oh, Ron <laughs> fly over, <laughs> and they have this uh, PA system, and basically all the soldiers come out of their bunkers and and surrender, and uh, and and they're saying that they've used the technology of like mind manipulation and stuff like that with, through the PA because it makes no sense why these. Um, military army men you know iraq whatever have all these bunkers and they would just come out willingly after they've given their lives and fought this 10-year uh religious war you know and now they're just going to give up over this thing so this mind manipulation was the whole point of the uh of the wars yeah you're you're muted probably for good reason uh pressing niggles (laughs) (laughs) fuck you guys You said it like three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back on the, to the story. Uh, uh, the it, uh, 30 minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Brookhaven people needed a place where proper experimentation could be done in seclusion. They needed certain equipment and personnel from the military. They gave the military a list of all technology required. Of particular import on the technology list was the old Sage radar. Peter, do you know what that is? <laughs> Sorry, I'm still 
I almost backed out from laughing. <laughs> For this, they required a huge radio. Uh, how do you say this word? Radio sound? Radio Sandy. I guess. Uh, that would operate around 425 to 450 megahertz. Uh, from earlier research, it was known that this was one of the, quote, window frequencies for getting into the human consciousness. So if you remember a minute ago, we were saying uh, he was working with psychics, and at that particular frequency of, of megahertz, that's what would block and shut down the psychics' ability to do what they do. So a very high-powered radar device was needed uh, that ran at 425 to 450 megahertz, and the military had just what they were looking for, a mothballed Air Force base at Montauk Point. That's what it was, Point. Uh, that housed the obsolete Sage radar system. Uh, it was already fitted, everything, everything they needed. Uh, and basically it was obsolete because uh, radar had then transitioned into satellites and over-the-horizon radar. So apparently Sage radar by that time in the 60s, 50s and 60s were um, outdated at that time. So mm. Can I note that even in the book, it goes over diagrams, pictures, shows all the stuff. There's even... Uh, PDFs of everything he mentions that mm -hmm. goes to other websites to show how it was created, diagrams of the uh, schematics and everything. Very yeah. detailed. Yeah, can you... I, I know you texted it to us. Can you email that or no? Uh, yeah. That way I can pull it up. Sure, what what the, uh, the like side... And all that. Sure. Pictures and all that good stuff. Peter's dying to look at it. I am, because uh, like this just sounds so uh, well, it sounds plausible with the frequency stuff uh, like making, making people like make a whole army give up. Well, that sounds like a Travis Scott concert. You know what I mean? Like uh, I, I looked into that pretty deeply and people were saying like strange tones were coming from the, the speakers before he went on stage. Stranger things. Oh, you were right. I, like that whole that whole situation was really messed up, but you know you can do stuff, yeah, with frequencies. Yep. Uh, he goes on to say, "I do not have documented evidence myself of the financing, but have been told by my Montauk acquaintances that the original money came courtesy of the Nazis. In 1944, an American troop train went through Fran went through a French tunnel carrying 10 billion dollars worth of Nazi gold. The train was dynamited in the tunnel while carrying 51 GIs." General George Patton was in Europe at the time and investigated this, but he could not understand how an American troop train could be dynamited in Western Allied territory. Um, so who knows about that, you know? Hmm. Sounds like a, a mission for an organ, like a, like a, starts with a C, ends with an A. It's like a middle letter there somewhere. Anyway. Anyway, after it was all spent, the project was allegedly financed by the infamous Krupp family who controlled the ITT Corporation. Um, so I'm not really familiar with them, but apparently they uh, were owners of German munition factories for World War I. Um, they were found guilty at the Nuremberg trials, but in the early 70s, they were basically freed and uh, continued arms and munition dealings. So. Yeah, we're getting way, like, it's just... Uh, it just so goes deeper and deeper. Basically, they have these experiments, and they and they see ways of making this stuff work. Then they build the Montauk chair. And uh, do you want to go into the Montauk chair, or you got some more to go over? I mean, you can go into it real quick if you want. So basically, um, 
so a lot of it is the Montauk chair was built based off a lot of different ideas and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, you know, again, read the, the scripts here and, and different things, but there's so many ways of looking at it. Um, goes back to Tesla and Tesla was, uh, obviously we all know Tesla has been this, uh, alternating current genius and that coming up with these different coil makes and can do different things with currents. And Tesla kind of got bombarded with or ambushed, I guess, when he started coming out saying that he was um, given advice from uh, aliens, kind of put it in a nutshell. So that's kind of what happened with Tesla at the end. But the Montauk chair, a lot of it comes back from Tesla inventions and that they were saying that a lot of the inventions that came from, from Tesla put into this chair had to come from some other worldly being that it was, it was pretty high tech with the triangle way that they were doing coils in this chair, but the chair was where the Montauk projects went to time travel and the different aspects like that. So, and it was basically a moderating uh, machine. So they would put, there's a picture. If you want to get it, uh, press Nichols and put it up. So they would take Duncan. Remember Duncan was the individual that was on the boat. He was, basically the lock to time travel he was the um oh what do they call it? there's another there's another word for it well let's just say he was the the anchor between the time locks that they needed because of the 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 boat that went missing and and reappeared somewhere else he was on that boat they jumped so this capsule that the, the chair needed some sort of time lock and he had the abilities to lock it in so when they made this chair, um, this was when they were able to make equipment that would go to an IBM computer. And when he would sit in this chair, they would have a lot of radiation and a lot of uh, power going through this machine. And everything that he thought would first go through the computer and it would, be, it would go on a monitor. And then over a little bit of time, they could get the monitor, throw it to another computer, and it would basically be like a holographic. And then they discovered with enough power and the right scenarios. And again, in the book, it gives you all the details that you could ever want. Um, that if he thought of an apple, it'd come up on the monitor, it'd become a holographic, and the holographic would come become a physical um, material item. And it would appear there. It would appear on the base somewhere. It would appear at different areas. It wasn't like they could seclude it to one spot, right? So... I don't want to give that impression because towards the end, it changes up a little bit. So the chair is the big deal. This is what changed Montauk uh, experiments from the get-go. It talks about three receivers, six channels, and a supercomputer. And it even gives what models and makes and how that was created and the the diagrams behind that, the schematics of the, uh, uh, some of the stuff that they used. Pretty, pretty impressive. Um, And just to put it out there too, Duncan Cameron was a guy on the boat, which was used for all these experiments. He became brain dead in a sense. After all this, he's, he had, he had done so many experiments that the radiation that he was a walking dead person, if you would, uh, his brain with an MRI would show, or I guess it's MRI. They, they talk about what kind of medical stuff he went through. It took so much of his brain power to do these experiments and, and he got so much radiation. 
that literally it baked his brain. It, it just baked his brain. And his Dang. brother, uh, Al Bellick, because when he came back from, not to get crazy with it, but he was on the boat as well, jumped ship, 40 years later came back, was approached on this base with the government, and they gave him the name of Al Bellick to basically put him in um, uh, a witness program. So he went by Al Bellick a lot of the, a lot of the time. He was there doing a key role in all this as well. So his brother was in the chair. Al Bellick was there helping um, uh, Nichols. Mm-hmm. And so it was those three. There, it's, it's essential to say that those brothers were a big part in this because they were the anchor of time. Yeah. They had been through it, and it's just the way that it worked. And it goes into detail. But Interesting. Yeah, and this, I mean, when they were sitting in the chair, I mean, they were, they were doing some of these experiments, um, you know, after all this stuff was just trial and error, you know? Mm-hmm. So they got to the point where the transmitter, you know, the chair and the transmitter were 100 yards from each other. So that's how far away that the frequencies were um, getting shot into what's-his-face's brain, just baking his brain every time it did it. Because they were experimenting with different frequencies, different right. times. Um, pulsating the frequencies or modulating them, it just you know, and just the, trying the biggest thing was when you do this. Training him to like, like sit there and picture an apple, and not to wander because if he wandered off, it would create different things, right? So you had to physically think of one certain thing and train your your mind to think about one certain subject or one certain thing, and yeah, it would and, then, and it would manifest. Yeah, right. You know, and they why would, they didn't manifest gold, I don't, I don't know why. But and they would experiment with frequencies to see which ones would make him happy, which ones made him sad, which ones made him angry, which ones made him want to go to sleep and be lazy, and you know, total manipulation of the mind and body and your consciousness. Have y'all ever seen the movie Scanners? No. It's from the eighties, and uh, it's kind of about telekinesis and stuff like that. And there's like people that can that can kill somebody by just thinking about it. Uh, it's really, really, really good and intense. Um, and there's a there's a meme for it. You ever seen the meme of the guy's head exploding and it looks real? The guy with a mustache, bald guy. It's like a famous meme. It's a gif. His head just exploding. It's from that movie. It's very well done. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of about this topic. And uh, uh, the government tries to go and find rogue people with these mental abilities. Uh, that kind of separated from because the government keeps up with all these people. So the ones that go missing, they try to go find them and they try to use their telekinetic powers against the government. It's very good. Anyway, side note. Damn, what movie is that? It's called Scanners. It's it's fantastic. It's a I know what our David, next episode's going to be on. It's it's really good. It's super intense. Um, it'll it'll give you nightmares. Perfect. I need yeah. nightmares. Um, so he basically, um, Preston Nichols called this the device, the chair. It was essentially a mind amplifier. That's what, that's, that's what he called it. He called it that on, uh, he had an interview with Art Bell on this too. That's what he called it. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. Bring that up. So that was back in what? 90, 94 was when he was on, uh, Art Bell coast to coast. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So all this started from like what 1970s, uh, I think it was early like 74, I think, I think so. Yeah. To 1983, 
and of course it stopped in 83, which we'll get into on, on the reasons why it stopped. But, uh, it wasn't until like 1990 when, cause, um, Preston was basically living a double life. He, he was working on this project, basically like in an alternate universe, almost in a different reality. So he mm-hmm. wasn't remembering when he went to Montauk and he asked that homeless guy, he was like, man, what the hell happened here? And the homeless guy was like, uh, how do you not remember? You were the assistant director. He was, it was basically a, a, a time warped. He skipped ahead. I guess so. Yeah. If that's, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the way to put it, but yeah, it was alternate reality. And as he kept going back, kept visiting stuff, would kind of come back to him, you know, um, well, so you'd mentioned, uh, the IB What's the place he used to work at. He didn't mention it per se, but, uh, it was, IB something. The one, the, the fictional name he gave it was like BJM. BJM. So he, he talks about that in the book and he says, I don't remember how I could be working at BGM and the um, Montauk labs. But then he's like, but I do remember being completely just exhausted from work coming home. And he thinks that his mind was manipulated to not remember the Montauk stuff, but yet he was working there. He was doing double shifts basically. Yeah. And he, he, yeah, he mentioned that on art bill. Um, because there was some stuff, like some of the stuff he worked on, he couldn't talk about because he signed, you know. Right. Um, he could talk about the Montauk. NDCs and stuff, but he could talk about the Montauk because he didn't sign anything. And he said they were manipulated to forget everything they worked on on the Montauk project. So that's why his memories were, were so, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Some, there. Something affected his memory. I so mean, he was getting all that radiation. Yeah, one thing I found interesting, he said um, in, ni- in early 1975, they discovered another problem. If there was a glitch in the flow of time in our reality, everything fell apart. In other words, if the psychic in the chair projected a reality that was not consistent with our reality, it would cause the connection between uh, Southampton and Montauk to break up. Any glitch in space-time between the two cities would cause the transmission of the thought form to cease. And uh, That's why they were scared to put so much power into it mm-hmm. because if it did cease to mess up, it could change things and they right. were worried about that. Right. And um, the chair was in Southampton, Long Island. Uh, the solution, because they were, they were getting certain feedback with stuff. So, like I said, it got to the point where they were 100 yards away. Eventually, it got, you know, super far away. So, they moved the chair uh, to Southampton, Long Island. And obviously the base is still at the base on the uh, far eastern part of the of the island. So to better understand a time glitch, imagine time as a continuous pulsation or a flow. As the basic pulsation of time interaction changes uh, with uh, as the basic pulsation of time interaction changes form with other flows or phenomena, we have motion as we know it against the backdrop of time. When these core pulsations that make up time are shifted due to reality change or other phenomena, the direction, speed, flow of time is changed. That's what's known as a time glitch. Theoretically, these occur every now and then. Since we are referenced in our reality, we really don't notice a time glitch. Deja vu phenomena could be an explanation for this. Oh, yeah. I experience time glitches all the time. I experience deja vu a lot. Yeah. Uh, And it's happening more and more. All right, cool. <laughs> okay, what about you, Lance? It's CERN. It's CERN. I was about to bring up CERN. Like, yeah, he I, did. I, um, Preston Nichols on Art Bell did mention that there was a particle uh, collider at Montauk. There it is. I was just about to mention CERN because, like, they 
they've carried this stuff over to that facility. Oh yeah. They're trying to uh, crisscross timelines and uh, all kinds of stuff, we, you know, which is where we could possibly be getting Mandela effects. But Peter, our remote viewer wants to know, are these time glitches individualized? I think some people are more aware when they see them. Most people are like, you know, living their lives and not looking for strange coincidences. They'll go unnoticed. But Basically. some people are like, if you go out there looking for it, you will find it. And some of they're getting weirder by the minute. Uh, So many weird coincidences on a daily basis. And I'm not the only one reporting this. So many friends of mine, now that they're really looking like there's, there's glitches in this matrix all the time. That's Uh, a good point. So we don't have deja vu at the same time. Right. Uh, This, this book actually goes over that in a sense of time and the way that multi-universes are, uh, are different dimensions and everything else kind of coincide. And it explained it as like a softball within a basketball and yeah. a softball is your reality, but you have the space of all these different um, uh, realities that could connect at different times. Yeah. And that as an individual, you could, you could have a sense of a different reality aka deja vu um at the same time so it would be individual it would be i, w- I would have a sense like oh you know that's going on because something's going on in, my, in one of my other realities and and whereas uh, peter or um uh, drew would have a different reality going on but they might not have an impact going on at the same time that we would have an impact right so they're saying but there is an ultimate creator or something that would control all of our realities and that they're consistent and we're zoned into this reality, but we have an endless amount of other realities going on within that basketball, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to, to believe in alternate realities, but also uh, since I started looking at the one that we're in in a different way, uh, I think dimensions are, I think, yeah, I think it's more dimensional. I don't think it's more parallel universes. I think I think our reality is based on uh, multiple dimensions, which perhaps you can, you know, perhaps that is alternate realities. It's, it's hard similar. to say, mm-hmm. but uh, there, we experience a very small, uh, uh, you know, a sliver of the spectrum of light. So there's so much shit around us that we cannot sense as a human being, mm-hmm. which uh, we've talked about this before, but. Uh, these forces behind the scenes are doing experiments on this very thing. And nowadays we have AI and uh, quantum computing. Who knows what they're figuring out with these particle colliders and so what they've already figured out. Yeah. Right. And how it's affected our reality. Cause something's not right. Something is not right. And everybody feels it. Everybody you feels it. it. You smell it too. <laughs> well, it's something else, but uh... talks about that in the book. No. It really does. Uh... Mont- the Montauk base emitted some sort of onion smell. <laughs> A Peter-like substance. There had to be an onion festival <laughs> happening that weekend. <laughs> All right. So another interesting thing, real quick. Um, they they noticed um, if there was a large amount of power that was being fed into the transmitter during a time glitch, it could be disastrous effects. 
They, you know, they couldn't tell when these time glitches were going to happen, so they didn't want to take that chance. So they had to make sure it worked flawlessly. So they first put tremendous shielding around the chair so that the electromagnetic fields at Montauk would not affect it. That didn't work, so they tried putting the chair in an electromagnetic dead zone. They picked the best dead zone available, but this was not successful. They worked through mid-1975, but continued to have difficulties until they continued or consulted the original prototype that the chair was based upon, allegedly devised by the Syrians. Not the country, the aliens. Mm-hmm. Huh. So we have alien technology in this story. It goes back to the chair, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> that was proposed <laughs> alien. That wasn't That wasn't definitely, uh, you know, it's... Went back to uh, Tesla and everybody else, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's that's yeah. They're, I mean, they're mentioned a couple times in the book. So uh, the Syrians. Yeah, it's hilarious that that's their name, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean it, it goes into the the Helmholtz coils, whatever that is. It goes into uh, Delta T coils. Um, it, which it, was it, the, it, the antenna that actually had the time sequence yeah. to it. It's crazy how much um, detail this goes into, and a lot of it is it's it's way way the fuck over my head. So, so the next step, uh, what would be the next step in this? Because we have you know how it kind of wrapped up, and we have the Trojan horse. You remember at the end? I don't know if you if you read towards the end uh, mm-hmm. what they were doing, the mission of the kids, what they were doing with the Montauk kids, the boys, what their missions were. Did y'all, did y'all hear about that? Uh, yeah. I, I haven't looked into that part. Drew, did you check that out? Peter was too busy at the kids section at Target. <laughs> so check, <laughs> check this out. Um, this is this is the end, but it's not going to be a spoiler alert for how this uh, operation shut down. Um, so the researchers also used kids for some reason. I'm not sure what exactly the purpose was, but there was one kid at Montauk who would go out and get other kids to bring them to the project. He was like a tractor beam. He lived in Montauk and would circulate around very effectively. Basically they got kids that were just um, fam- like kids of, of families that were alcoholics on drugs, runaways, runaways yeah. people that would kind of be forgotten, I guess, if you will, as sad, but um there was also an entire, uh, an entire corpse of these around New York metro areas that could get away for six hours or so without being missed. Talking about the kids. They were specifically trained to go out and bring in other kids. Some kids returned home. Some didn't. Matter of fact, at the very end of all this, military comes in. They pour concrete throughout the whole entire base. And it's said that they um, got uh, a great amount of bones and skulls because everybody that had passed during this project was buried underneath the uh, uh, base. So that was something that the military had to, to gather up. They said it was just like a room full of skeletons. These kids were chosen between 10 and 16, or maybe 18 at the oldest, nine at the youngest. They were just about to reach puberty, just finished it. They were usually blonde, blue-eyed, tall, light-skinned, fit the Aryan stereotype. To my knowledge, there were no girls in this group. Uh, again, it's, you know, you got to follow the money. Um. A later investigation shows that uh, there were connections. Uh, we don't know where these kids went. They were educated and programmed for whether they came back or still is mystery. What information is available is that they were sent every every raw recruit into the future of 6037 AD. Always to the same point. 
to what appeared to be a dead city in the ruins. Everything was stationary. Not unlike a dreamlike state, there were no signs of life. In the center of the city was a square with a golden horse on a pedestal, which is the, the front of the book. Um, there were inscriptions on that pedestal, and recruits were sent there to read what they said. And each kid, recruit, would interpret and report. Um, it goes on to say that they suggest there was technology in this pedestal in 6037 AD. Um, that there was technology in the pedestal. That they were trying to get somebody uh, to sense or feel what the technology was. Someone else was involved in the project said the horse was there to test the powers of the uh, observation of their recruits that it also served as a point of reference. Again, another time lock because a lot of this, you had to have something like if you wanted to know where Peter was tonight, you would have something that would remember Peter where like a lock of hair or an onion in your hand or (laughs) (laughs) something something that could get your little mind to track you uh, amongst everybody else. And uh, the recruits were always asked if they saw anybody in the city. Each individual would interpret what he uh, observed and report. Uh, It said they were maybe 200, 300 years ahead. Uh, They said maybe 3,000, 10,000 people were eventually abandoned. It goes into what they saw. But the long story short, the, the, the horse on the cover was that during all this, they ran tests on kids. Again, kind of going back to the Stranger Things whole idea, right? That they ran tests on kids to get them. They were trying to create an army of kids to uh, be mind-manipulated and do whatever the army needed them to do. But they would send them to the future to test their abilities of their psychic abilities to read off this futuristic monument uh, that happened in the future. So it's like they picked out a time in history or in the future that every kid could go to and prove that they had the psychic abilities to be uh, a um, warrior in this army that they were trying to create. I wonder if you can uh, utilize telekinetic abilities. No. Uh, with, uh, uh, with a uncalcified pineal gland. <laughs> so basically yeah. if you got the jab, you can't become a psychic. No, no, no. Uh, fluoride in the water supply calcifies your pineal gland, which is your third mm-hmm. eye. It's in the center of your brain. Um, and uh, I was with a friend who is in the medical profession, and he was showing me scans of someone's brain. And he was like, he saw a contrast in the center of it. He's like, there's calcified pineal gland. And, uh, you know, this dude filters all of his water in his house. He's got he's got one of those filters that, you know, even, even when you take a shower, it doesn't have fluoride in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To his so, main line. Yeah. He's very serious about that. And I've often wondered is the pineal gland. And, you know, if we put ice in our drink, we're getting fluoride. You know what I mean? Uh, it's probably in all ball water. Uh, it's definitely in all tap water. And I wonder if that, water. Yeah. I wonder if uh, you need a fully functioning, uh, pineal gland in order to uh, do some of these uh, paranormal 
things that that we're uncovering in this uh since it has something to do with the mind i think mm -hmm. i think the pineal gland is an important factor yeah it's a great well, question so well, Peter, we have a guest on uh mr uh, nichols himself no, <laughs> <laughs> Peter, what, what do you think is the glue that holds all this stuff together the transmitter and, and everything um Full operation i don't think you're gonna guess it uh what do you mean like the in the entity that's created it or pays for it or what do you mean uh it basically made the whole transmitter system coherent uh wrong. i wouldn't even know that one. white noise oh well, yeah yeah wait say that again it says uh the other key point to understand is white noise white noise can be considered the glue that makes the whole operation work it basically made the whole transmitter system coherent white noise wait a second yeah, in between stations, you're scrolling through the radio. You hear not yeah. pink noise. Pink noise is the uh, same amount of volume per frequency consistent throughout the spectrum, but white noise is the random. Okay, which means why would they be broadcasting white noise across all these TVs? Dun, dun, dun. Or white noise is, is in the air, and that's what makes this whole thing bind together, and that we could do anything. Is reality white noise? I saw yeah. that movie, by the way, the movie that was filmed in Ohio, and then it was about a chemical spill or something. The movie is trash. Nobody ever watched that piece of crap. It was like yeah, a... Until it happened. It was like, I can't remember the name of the director. It was like a very stylized kind of... Was it, was it better than Avatar 2? Oh, uh, it was it was, <laughs> it was. was a different type of shitty. Uh, <laughs> all movies are trash. Like, I went and saw Super Mario trash. So hey, trash. Now, I thought Super Mario was pretty good. Everybody clapped at the end, and I was like, you suck! All the nerds <laughs> were crying. It All the just, kids are singing, uh, uh, you know, what's peaches, peaches, peaches. Oh, yeah. The princess was kicking ass through the whole movie, you know, because it's 2023. Yeah, and but the was, advertisements, though, the advertisements shown uh, that Peach was going to save Mario. I'm uh -huh. so happy that they didn't turn it to where Mario was locked up by Bowser and Peach had to come in and save him. I, was I mean, they basically did that. They basically did that with Luigi. Like, Luigi was the one that was held captive. He was a bastard son, yeah. <laughs> Luigi was just a, just a fuck up all the way around. But you remember that scene where they were, like, on the Rainbow Road? We're back to Rainbows again. They were they were at Target. And uh, <laughs> she does something. She, she, like, blows up one of the other guys, the enemies or whatever. And then the little, the little toadstool guy goes... Now that's how you princess, and I'll, everybody was like clapping, ha! <laughs> and I was like, fluoride has made everyone really dumb. Well, I didn't go into the movie thinking that there were going to be realistic events going on, anyways. Uh, I mean, so there's so I, many, there's so many better ways they could have made that movie for a wide audience. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but. Just because it's Super Mario on the screen, people are going to go look at it and be like, like Rodney said, it's yeah. All right, well, let's look at the chair.
<laughs> oh my god. So apparently this is a depiction of the Montauk chair. Yeah, that's that, Duncan. That is a charcoal drawing, and that's really hard to do. That's really especially with the circles. Look how detailed the buttons are. Yeah, super detailed. And We're like so much artist. Who did this? We good, find good, out who did the artist. good charcoal drawing. <laughs> and here's some blueprints and some flowcharts uh, and uh, schematics. I have no idea what this is even saying. Well, let's get an engineer on here and uh, figure out how to build this chair. Fuck yeah. It'll be my new gamer chair. The Montauk chair <laughs> receiver. <laughs> They're like, all right, what do you envision, Peter? You're playing like World of Warcraft or something. <laughs> uh, I play Call of Duty and it causes actual <laughs> world war. I just manifest it. You're playing the World War One Call of Duty? <laughs> all the weapons are like this. Right Any video game becomes reality that I'm playing. Comes what? Becomes reality. <laughs> <laughs> so that is oh. the chair. So uh, here's the um, – this is the cover of the book right here. Right. That's the horse I was telling everybody about. Right. You know what that looks like, Peter? Uh, oh, Denver shit. Airport. He had yeah. it ready to go. We planned this. Yep. Oh, that's so scary. And keep in mind, this was written back in the day. This wasn't a new book. Oh, my God. It's the same thing. Well, I think the book came out like 92. Right. And that, yeah. that cover is a painting. That's also very well done. There's a clock on its uh, stomach, as abdomen. Oh, wow. And it I goes up on a mound, and there's a plaque, which doesn't show the plaque. There's a plaque on the rock. And that's what the kids were supposed to um, go into. And another side note on all this, um, there was Tesla was confessing about the fact that he got a lot of his technology through near Mars. Um, when Mars came close to earth, he get a lot of communication through Mars and a lot of interstellar, uh, beings were communicating with him through his, uh, technology at the time, which Tesla was a bad motherfucker. If you start really looking into it, he got screwed by, um, all the, the bigger, obviously bigger dicks out there. Edison. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Edison was his was the main like nemesis. They tried to work together, didn't work out. But so they used this project to look into the to the uh into Mars. I think it was a pyramid in Mars that they looked into because they couldn't get through obviously the rock bed and stuff like that. So they used this to get through Mars, which is pretty interesting. Peter, what does this remind you about Harp? Harp uses uh high frequencies um to uh excite the ionosphere and who knows what else uh you know it's we're exciting. talking we're talking about a hundred potentially a hundred gigawatts that you know that's speculated to to shift the poles if you will uh so who knows what this technology is capable of i'm sure uh, it it does spill over into altering realities and time and stuff, and not just uh, manipulating the weather potentially, or causing uh, earthquakes, mm -hmm. uh, volcanic activity. It could probably it could probably do so much shit yeah, that's like uh, Nichols was talking on Art Bell about how they uh, heated the Atlantic. Right, uh, I, I listen to that. 
So. Uh, they, yeah, talking about boiling the the seas. Now, if you can if you can raise the temperature of the oceans, what's that going to do to the atmosphere? What what's that going to do as far as like generating storms? Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you heard of the term orgon? What? Orgon. Yeah, orgon. I think I, I, think I smoked it one time. I <laughs> <laughs> was long gone. So, uh, orgon is the positive energy. Dead orgon is the negative energy. And the negative energy is what they were using to boost all these storms. Okay. Yes, yeah, so they were they were saying they could register orgon and dead orgon door, I guess you could call it. Uh it was the was the uh acronym for it. And so they used door and this is before the Montauk project. Um to actually like push these storms to make them more powerful. And they were going to use them. They were using them for a little bit to use Oregon to keep the storms from becoming too strong. Yeah. And then they reversed it and used dead Oregon to create storms that would help them in warfare. Uh, I, uh, I seem to recall. And what was the name of that Joe Rogan show? Uh, it was on the sci-fi channel. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It was called Joe Rogan Questions Everything. Uh, I believe if one searches, you can find an episode of that where they confirm it and they build a storm on the show. I, I seem to recall that long, long ago. It was a very good show. Like, well, lest, yeah, lest, we forget Peter, lest we forget, Peter also remembered seeing frontal nudity in the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> may or may not have happened. Hey, the Mandela effect robbed us of a lot of a lot of good stuff. So, uh, as but, I uh, recall, he got on top. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did some freaky uh, shit in that car. Y'all remember that? A power top. Uh, anyway, there were four people in that car. <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and if they wouldn't have made out on the deck, they wouldn't have hit that damn iceberg. That's right. Yeah, it was, all, it, was, it was all their fault, is what the movie told me. That's what I took from the movie. Yeah, it's like Jack was supposed to be this guy you root for, but yet he's the reason why the whole boat went down. And it's like, dude, you're just you're just handsome. You're homeless. <laughs> That's any woman's dream. All right, let's, <laughs> so let's get back on track here. Yeah, I got I got a what. Well, go ahead, Lance. I see you're no, 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 licking no. your lips, ready to say something. <laughs> There's a lot to be said, but I, I want to see where you're at because I don't want to go too far ahead. I was going to go the uh, to the encounter with the beast. Yes. Let's talk about the uh, how this thing came to an end. Because like I said, there's um, we could do a three-part episode on this stuff. There's We could go into the Mars thing. We could go into time travel. They have a whole... Uh, chapter on the nature of time they got a lot of shit here so we're probably going to close it out with this encounter with the beast so on august 5th 1983 we were given a directive to run the transmitter non-stop just turn it on and let it go continuously we followed the orders but nothing out of the ordinary occurred until august 12th something very strange happened all of a sudden the equipment appeared to drop in sync with something else we didn't know what function the system was now attuned to but at that point, the USS Eldridge, the sh- uh, ship that was used for the Philadelphia experiment, appeared through the portal. That we was had- the same boat. I just mm-hmm. scanned for the viewer. 
that the brothers were on that are helping with the Montauk project. Mm-hmm. They were the lock of time. Yep. They were there as an anchor. Go ahead. So we had locked up with the Eldridge. I'm not sure if this was pure accident, but if the Montauk researchers were trying to hook up with the Eldridge, the attempts had been made on this exact date. This is due to the 20-year biorhythms of, of planet Earth. Um, so this there's where it gets crazy, Peter. Pay attention. At this point, Duncan from 1943, because remember he was on he was on the Eldridge in 1943. Okay. Duncan from 1943 appeared and could be seen through the time portal along with his own brother. We kept Duncan of 1983 from seeing himself so as to avoid a time paradox and resulting in negative effects. The project had now reached apocalyptic proportions. Natural laws were being violated, and it seemed everyone felt uncomfortable. It took a spin. 1983, Duncan, remember, he fast-forwarded 40 years in time to kill uh, Preston Nichols, but ended up working with him, and he was doing psychic stuff in the chair. So now somehow the the portal locked up to where the Montauk and the Eldridge were right there at the portal and they could see each other. Yeah, so like you can see yourself found itself. Yeah. So you can see yourself from forty years ago. So anyway, oh, they had wow. to keep him from, from seeing him. So Yeah, because that's right. uh, that's like a thing in some movies, right? If uh they're like don't talk to your past yeah, if you, self. If you see your doppelganger, you're supposed to die or something. Oh shit. That's creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. All right. So after all that, uh, they finally decided they've had enough of the whole experiment. Freaked him out way too much. The contingency program was activated by someone approaching Duncan while he was in the chair and simply whispering to himself, the time is now. At that moment, he let loose a monster from his subconscious. And the transmitter actually just portrayed a hairy monster. It was big, hairy, hungry, and nasty. But it didn't appear underground and uh, at the null point. It actually showed up on the base. So the monster came from his subconscious, just like he was doing with the apple. Appeared on base, just like in strange, you know, like Stranger Things, I guess. Right, right. I need to watch Stranger Things. I hear it's good, but uh, just can't make myself do it. I have to read this. It's it's kind of like exactly the concept. Yeah. Because um, the show was actually called Montauk at first, then they changed it to Stranger Things. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know it, it has to do with like an upside down reality. That was the 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 ether. The book talks about the ether. Mm-hmm. There's a whole chapter on that. Yeah. So, it, do you guys think there is an ether or a an upside down? No, I think that's too specific. And and the way this book reads it, if you're going to believe anything, I'm going to believe with what I know. It's the only thing I know is what I just read. So um, there's so many different dimensions that picking one and having like a, a parallel universe dimension is like so uh, random and a very small percentage. I don't think there is like another side. There's an ether, but it talks about what ether means in terms of time and everything else. It's not necessarily what Stranger Things portrays but, do you uh, think so yeah. uh do you think it has something to do and i had to look up the name but we all know it's uh abbreviation but dimethyltryptamine do you think dimethyltryptamine has has something to do with looking into potentially what these projects explored but from an individual standpoint like a little window into it possibly 
I think so because uh, they, you know, they all say we're we're care we're carrying we're carrying DMT in our brain, and when when our body senses that we're dying, or we're in a we're in a deep lucid dream state, sometimes it can be released. And people that I know that have tried, uh, you know, ayahuasca or the smoking version of DMT. Claim to be, you know, some of them claim to be gone for a long time in a different place. Yeah, like remember Orange Beach in 2021? <laughs> <laughs> I was there and then I was, I wasn't, man. <laughs> I like what our viewers said. Uh, I think the sake of the audience, they went with one other dimension. I, I think based on this story, they that's exactly right. Because it had the monsters and everything that this story talks about uh, mm-hmm. from this person's just conscious but yeah absolutely there's other yeah. so they said the beast it would eat anything it could find it smashed everything in sight uh either nine feet tall or 30 feet tall depending on who saw it uh it's more than likely about nine or ten feet tall um supervisors had ordered us to shot so once that beast was there uh supervisor ordered all the generators to be shut off all the power to be cut i couldn't cut anything like he was uh you know cut the wires went down to the, the shut all the breakers, like everything you could think of. And nothing was cutting power to the transmitter. Cause that's how you had to end it, you know? Oh, weird. So, um, let me get scroll down to actually what happened. So the transmitters ran without computers. So they went in, they cut the lines to the utility company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a lot of time to do this. Um, they went in and he was actually taking a torch, a torch to the machines and he said that, you know, you could see the torch. You want proof. You could see the torch marks of the of the actual computers and stuff where he was trying to get into the, the guts of the computer to cut it off. Um, he said the transmitters were running without computers. The system had actually gone into a free energy mode. Two system generators, one on the 1943 Eldridge and one at the Montauk in 1983. It locked in to the power source that they were using because remember, all this was based on the anchor of the um, Philadelphia experiment. And um, so they were using the energy that was based on the boats in 1943. And it was being sent over and locked together. And it was bouncing between the generators of the different times. So they were killing the time. They were killing the energy in our current time. But they were locked in with a different time. And it was stealing the energy from that time. Oh, mm-hmm. weird. I never thought about that before. Yeah, free energy. Pretty, pretty crazy. Served as an anchor. Interesting. So once that portal was closed, the uh, monster basically faded back into the ether. Back into the upside down, uh, if you will. And, and it was it was big, hairy, and nasty. Well, yeah. I don't remember being there. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I, can you show a picture of it? Set him up. <laughs> <laughs> Knew where it was going. <laughs> uh, yeah, after that, they they canceled it. They took torches to the computer to get rid of the monster. Uh, that's what actually killed the whole deal. Uh, yeah. It was bumming energy. All the lights were off. The computer was still going because it was phased in with that. Uh, with the uh, the boat. It's like Peter. All the lights are off, but the you know computer's still there. A thousand no's and one yes is still a yes. <laughs> You will eat an onion. 
<laughs> well, they're good for you. <laughs> Smell it. So, oh my God. Uh, so, so that's basically going on the Montauk base now. Yeah. This happened. The monster came out August 12th, 1983. Caused a big disturbance. Uh, they had to cut it off. Basically destroyed the, the monitors. <laughs> you were in a sick face. I don't know if you, you put that up or not. Um, the Montauk Air Force Base was abandoned. By the end of that year, there was no knowledge of anyone being at the base. In May or June of 1984, a crack squad. A crack squad? Yeah, I was like, I read that wrong. <laughs> the Black Berets were sent to the base. I believe they were Marines, but I'm not absolutely sure. This is off the book. They were reportedly ordered to shoot anything that moved. Their purpose was to perch anyone who might be on the base. There was a second team that followed the Black Berets. They removed the secret equipment, which was considered too sensitive to leave behind. Again, it goes on the book, too, that he actually met up with someone else after the fact, along another story, and got some of that equipment back. Um I mean, there's there's pictures and diagrams of all this equipment, uh, schematics. I mean, it's incredible, really. The next step was to prepare the underground to be sealed. Certain uh, incriminating evidence was removed at this point. I've heard that a room with hundreds of skeletons skeletons was cleared out during this uh, evolution. Uh, the kids. After six months later, a caravan of cement mixers appeared on the base. Many people saw these trucks. They were filled with vast underground areas of Montauk with cement. They filled the vast underground areas of Montauk with cement. They dumped cement down the elevator shafts. The gates were locked up. The base was abandoned permanently for good. Um, if one travels to Montauk Point today and parks to the state, parking lot near the lighthouse it's possible to get a good view of the giant radar reflector that sits on top of the transmitter building for those who are either brave or foolish that can follow the dirt roads that lead to the base even knowing that the base is now filled up with concrete from the bottom up um but yet uh, it says that juveniles typically go over there for parties and stuff and uh so basically it's just a it's, it's a little bit of a tourist attraction at this point but um, it's completely blocked off with concrete from the ground. Oh, wow. Up. We were going to, we were going to GE it. Yeah. All right. Maybe we can, maybe we can see something. What if it's on like a triangular Island again? That was crazy. <laughs> All right. So here's the lighthouse. It's or called it? camp. It's called camp hero now. Hmm. So as far as to where it might be, I don't know. On the tip, on the very edge. Wait, was that it? Maybe I'm telling you wrong. No, it was on the very edge. I mean, yeah, here's the, the lighthouse, but I don't know where the transmitter and all that stuff is. Well, the map. Where there, yeah. could it be? So we're looking for a big. Any viewers, if you see something, uh, let us know. <laughs> oh, he's got. There it okay, is. Okay, okay, okay. So here's the lighthouse, obviously. Maps of Montauk Camp Hero. So does it... Okay, there's the Beast Bunker. There it is over there. That's what I'm going to start calling your house. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. 
So let's zoom in on that area. So that should be somewhere about right in here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, along that road there. Yeah. That's got to be it. That that patch of nothingness right there. Zoom in on that. That right here? No, no, no. To the to the right. Over here? Uh, you see? Yeah, so, yeah, right there. Right there. It's so in that curve. Right there. What the hell is that area right oh. there? Oh, look at that. No, that's a tower. There's an actual satellite on top Wait, of go, it. Wait, go up. What is that, that little area right there? That's the mess room. That's the mess hall. Hmm. So does it does it actually say on here where the transmitter was? Uh, the got... beast bunker is probably where it's at. Yeah, it's probably. Hmm. Well, I'm trying to trying to see if the roads are comparable. Click back on. Yeah, here. that's pretty interesting. Now I, they... I see those two like you see those two kind There's... of circles. Yeah, that's right here. Okay, so that means it's off to the left. Of yeah, that. it's like, it's yeah, like right, so here. right down there. So zoom in. Right Radar tower. There it is, right here. Oh shit! Yep, that's it. So all this is real, is what it's we're got saying. a blue. It's got a blue dot. It's wow. like a hotel. We're here. Oh shit! Look at that! Wow! Anybody looking? We found the uh, the actual tower. And apparently, other people tower. have two to tag it. There's yeah, it's covered in graffiti. Um, Damn, it would be so cool to go visit this. We should. Episode number five. And this I was, could, this, was this, this picture right here was the premise of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, why are you, why are you going to do a yin yang out there? Come on now. <laughs> Take climb up there on this little ladder right here. Yeah, I could. I on could top. That would be a great top. selfie. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Imagine. Seriously, the story. You read that book. For anybody listening who hasn't checked it out, um, read the book. It's a great story. Even if you don't believe it, it doesn't matter. At the very beginning of the book, it says this is either nonfiction or fiction, depending on the reader. But either way, it's going to be it's a great. I mean, work. I, evidently something serious happened here to have all this. Falling objects. Falling objects. So apparently it's gated. Um Property of the state of New York, area closed to the public, violators will be prosecuted. Closed, do not enter. Danger, keep out falling objects. I'd love to put a link out there. It's the Montauk Project Experiments in Time. Is that the beast? Nichols with Peter. (laughs) (laughs) That's the guy who did the whole. Why is he wearing a shirt? (laughs) Dude, Google probably pays him like $150,000 a year just to put cameras out. Oh my God. Uh, the Montauk Project Experiments in Time. It's 83, I think, pages. It is. It's an awesome book. This is crazy. It's just all here. It's it's all there. Wow. If you look up, um, anybody that's interested, look up um, stealthskater.com. Documents Montauk. And he has the layout of Every question, every instrument, every detail of the book, you click it, it goes to other articles. Um, saves you a lot of time doing some research on this. And uh, 
so much information. But yeah. the next coolest subject that we want to cover that I want to cover is the Philadelphia experiment. That was mm. pretty insane. This is that's what led to this. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, that was uh pretty insane. And it almost seems more uh realistic, more uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um it's like nobody's debunked that. You know, this has got yeah. a lot of maybe this happened, maybe it didn't. It's a project, blah blah blah. But the, but the Philadelphia experiment, it's almost like it was factual, and this is the stuff that came from it. And the Philadelphia experiment in itself is just mind blowing. Yeah. What if it's related to like all those, you know, the ships that go missing in the Bermuda Triangles? Um, a very a lot of themes of mis of, of disappearing ships lately over the curve Bermuda Triangle the triangles as well. Yeah, with the ship, uh, with the moon, with Mars, um, with with Tesla, with the equipment that they used on this, a lot of triangles were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to answer the remote viewers question, so are are there plaques that document that place, or is it supposed to look like a quaint state park? I think it's supposed to look like a quaint state park because none of this Project Montauk never happened. You know, it was a black budget thing. Um, you know, they supposedly mind controlled and wiped the memory of people that did work on the project. So it's just, it's supposedly just an abandoned air force base. That's now called camp hero or whatever, you know, whatever it's called. The book, but, uh, the book does go on how they were funded. Yeah. That's, they, you know, that's what I was going to say. We can probably do a three part series on this. Um, Cause I mean, there's other chapters, you know, obviously we'll go over the Philadelphia experiment um, soon. Um, we can go over Project Moonbeam, William uh, Wilhelm Reich and the Phoenix Project, Project Remo, uh, time warping, time travel, their mission to Mars, uh, the nature of time. And dude, that's that, that's two extra episodes right there. So this this was essentially this like super nutshell version of, wow. uh, of Project Montauk. And Peter, it even goes over when I was giving y'all the uh, the softball to basketball scenario. It even goes over the uh, quantum levels of existence mm. kind of in a nutshell about yeah <clears throat> it's pretty cool and the Ofer winfrey show july 19 1991 oh yeah i'll i'll, I'll say this apollo astronaut Edgar mitchell said i do believe there is a lot more known about the extraterrestrials uh investigating than is available to the public right now it has been for a long time oprah says and why do you think that's kept from the public Mitchell says, well, that's a long, long story. It goes back to World War II when all that happened. Well, it's highly classified stuff. Mm-hmm. That Which... was from the Oprah Winfrey show in July 19, 1991. And that's crazy. When... It would go on such a mainstream. Right. Outlet. And that's uh, apparently there's some seasons of Oprah Winfrey that nobody can find anymore. Uh, and people don't understand why they got rid of those seasons. Mayant was uh, on the Oprah Winfrey show one time. Really? Yeah. Story for another episode. Um, this Peter, is, uh, Peter this is what's, your, stuff. what's your guess? Remote viewer says, I wonder how many people go through that part uh, with just blind to what happened there. Oh, look oh. at the ducks. Look at the deer. Look at the... Oh, well, I was going to say, like, how... How dumb are people where it's so easy to fool us with plaques? Like we walk up to something like a, you know, obviously something historical happened here. 
And then we go up to the plaque and we're like, oh, okay, that's what happened. Uh. And, and you laugh and, like Ron DeSantis. Right. And then, <laughs> and like, it's just so easy to just write anything on a plaque. And our dumbasses will go up and just read it and be like, yep, okay, that's what happened. Moving on with my life. If we even read it, we won't even read it. But people who do, they'll be like, oh, well, that's, that's exactly, exactly what happened. When nobody mm-hmm. knows. Summarized in three sentences. Like, something can happen in your life, uh, and you could have your take on it, and a, a witness could have a totally different take. It's like here. everyone... There's We're no here to way. talk about it, brother. I want to hear what happened. I mean, things just get telephoned all the time, and we're supposed to look at a plaque and think that's exactly what happened. Or these textbooks that that one company or five families own all of, we're supposed to believe all this stuff. You know, this that's thematic of our show. But that is that is a big. I mean, think about that. Yeah, all you gotta Your do is own the all the educational books that we learn all of our history from. Pretty crazy. Yeah, and whatever they need us to know to make them more rich, that's what we know. Peter's going to be up for an extra 72 hours. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about just, this. My hair's all crazy, and I'm just like looking, just reading PDFs. <laughs> oh. Well, Peter, what do you think? Uh, you think Montauk actually ended, as our remote viewer saying? They uh, took the project somewhere else? I think it's, uh, I think that's like analog shit. And now it's digital. Now it's CERN. Now it's HARP. Now, you know, it's all these uh, separate, separate things that are all working towards the same goal. Yeah. Nichols on uh, Art Bell says he believes everything went underground. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's not. Talks talks about the equipment he was trying to get. In his his later days, he was trying to get some, uh, some equipment. He was like, you know, he went to get a transformer that was, um, one of the few transformers that you could get, blah, blah, blah. It was like 700 bucks. And he was like, you know, usually it'd be at least, you know, $2,500 for this transformer, you know, and you need like 13 of them or something like that. And all this stuff is, is, uh, in my belief is underground kind of just there to corrode and all the stuff has been researched. It's been known. And I think the government knows how to do all this and they're doing other things now. Mm-hmm. Um, more controlled stuff, you know. This was like yeah. the just the yeah. And funny how all this stuff just happens to come right after World War Two, right? Where Admiral Byrd was talking about how Maybe. he ran into stuff in his journal, blah blah blah. Book talks uh, about that as well, right? Not Admiral Byrd, but yeah, I was about to say, I was like, I don't remember seeing Admiral Byrd, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I learned a lot. That's uh that's one of the conspiracies that I I wasn't really super familiar with. I knew I knew a little bit about like uh there was I heard somebody say something as far as comparing it to uh what was the show Stranger Things. Yeah, I I thought it was a lot less subject matter. I didn't know it was right that much because when mean- I was like I was like let's do Montauk Project. It should be pretty easy to uh, get a feel of. And then like I started reading the book and stuff. I was like holy shit. There's like literally everything from time travel to mind control to Mars to I tend to like believe stories that have not been made to a movie that should be a movie. Mm. Philadelphia is a movie. Is it? Yeah. 
It was oh, so there was one that was uh this this was I said at the very beginning. Oh, I'll remember it by the time that we're done. Um it was with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I believe. Wait a uh, minute. Uh not the sixth day. No, but a lot of this was resembled in another movie like that like with Arnold. Total recall? Total recall. There it is. Yeah. And uh so a lot of this was used in that movie, but they, to my knowledge, they haven't made a movie about this. To me, that's like a valid point on why this is probably more real than fake, because mm-hmm. they haven't uh, taken advantage of this story, you know? Right, right. They exploited this fake story and made it into a hit oh, Hollywood movie. Things. Huh? You got Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah, the TV show. Um but still, gosh, read the book. It's great. So yeah, the uh, Philadelphia Experiment oh. movie came out in 19, 1984. Huh. A United States Navy destroyer escort participates in a Navy invisibility experiment that inadvertently sends two sailors 40 years into the future. Oh, shit. So, I mean, this so, obviously this came out uh, before Nichols came out with all his stuff. So It came out before? Yeah, the movie came out in 1984. Nichols' uh, book came out in I think ninety two. That makes that makes this even weirder. So what I'm saying is maybe Nichols got his story from from that. Interesting. So because there's there's a lot of uh, hearsay. Um, well, he said he didn't come up with the story until he remembered all the events. Yeah, in nineteen like nineteen ninety or something. Because remember, he he went into it not knowing he was brainwashed. Everything that happened. At these bunkers, they were brainwashed when they were debriefed out to the public, kind of like Men in Black with the yeah. The we see that we see the site, we see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it had to come uh, back to them. Yeah, there's there's an element of there's an element of truth to this story, um, maybe more than I'm that I'm realizing, but there's there's, so. there's definitely there's definitely truth to this somehow. Yeah, because I mean. Even if that specifically didn't happen, it's been proven that the government was doing stuff like that, mind control, you know, mm-hmm. affecting people's moods and, and stuff with certain frequencies and stuff like that. But Right. So, yeah, the uh, Philadelphia Experiment is streaming right now on uh, Tubi, if you have that app. Um, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix or Hulu or I, anything. I have I have Tubi. I think I might watch it. So yeah, I'm gonna check. So, yeah, I'll check out the uh, the Philadelphia Experiment, the Montauk Project on YouTube. The actual video. Mm-hmm. That's an hour and thirty five minutes. Channel, channel three X, channel X six X. Guess <laughs> that's one Peter's <laughs> accidentally gonna watch. <laughs> Oop, what? I had the right intentions, but uh, it was so informative. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's I, I think we covered a, a very elementary gist of it, but uh, elementary one show with that. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been like laughing at this whole episode. I'm I'm sorry. It's one of those mm-hmm. nights here at Room 2008. Black Hawk, that's what really got me. Yeah. <laughs> Sons of bitches don't make this any easier. <laughs> Well, let us know y'all's thoughts if y'all um, if you think uh, Project Montauk was real, fake. Um, what you think about the chair, the beast, 
if it is Stranger Things remade or, or, or if Stranger Things was a uh, remake of that, based off that, uh, shoot us an email, room2008ENT at gmail.com. Um, don't know when we're going to go live again. Um, we may be switching up the procedures and protocol here. Um, we're going to iron that out over the next few days. But um, as of now, if, if you are on Twitch, subscribe to us just in case. Follow us on Twitter so you'll be up to date, room2008ENT2. All right, well, join us next time, and Room 2008 is out. Peace.